Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Tuesday, May the 4th, 2021. My name is Stephen Cornegay, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Today's word of the day, collimate, which means to make parallel or a straight line. Collimate. Hope everyone is enjoying their Tuesday. I didn't get with you guys yesterday, which was Monday, but I hope everyone is enjoying the day or will enjoy their day. Looks like those deep south spring storms are up and running. Tornadoes have touched down in the deep south areas like Mississippi and Georgia. Had a few storms or showers yesterday, but they were just showers. They weren't any other of it of any other severe type, I should say. Unlike other places here in the United States. Uh, as for today, they're calling for more severe storms. It possibly even here some in North Carolina. And they're also saying it is just a strong chance, but it may just be rain. Prayers certainly going out for those down in Mississippi and and Georgia and Alabama. That area of the uh, Deep South is what it's called. No stranger to those spring storms, tornadoes, severe thunderstorms, whatever, what have you. Prayers going out. And also more prayers are needed. Looks like... uh, 23 have been confirmed dead, including children, after a subway collapse over uh, over an, a roadway in Mexico City, Mexico. The collapse happened late Monday. 65 were injured. Like I said, 23 were are, are confirmed dead. Uh, what they're saying it may be linked to, maybe they haven't gave a definitive answer but it may be linked to an earthquake that happened five years ago in which they found structure damage shortly thereafter and many have many have complained about it was in need of repair and of course you know anything with infrastructure or, or the bureaucracy of government now maybe it will be well, really no choice now the whole thing collapsed so you gotta fix that you want to have to fix that no out about it looks like the uh, <laughs> Raleigh Police Department is seeking the public's input that's here in Raleigh North Carolina as to what criteria they want in the next police chief you know I told you uh, police chief Sandra Cassandra Deck Brown is retiring and they're hoping to find a replacement by July 1st of this year and they're, they're seeking the public's input into what they would like the next police chief to uh, the criteria, what they would like the nice police, the next police chief to do or have. Well, I'm not a citizen of Raleigh, North Carolina, or Wake County, which is where you know the, the county it sits in. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, maybe some honesty and integrity or some good characteristics. Not saying that the previous retiring police chief didn't have that, but that's mostly my response into the uh, the undercover drug sting debacle that involved a, a rogue detective and his confidential informant, Aspirin. 
you all remember old Aspirin, the homeless guy that was arrested for crushing uh, aspirin and then selling it for cocaine. And how he was also leading, I guess you could say, the Raleigh Police Department astray, kind of, sort of, with his uh, heroin connections, if you can say that. Anyways, it's, it's on a podcast or two ago, or you can look it up online. Yeah, I, I, I would. I feel uh, assured in saying I know many residents of the city of Raleigh would love to have that characteristics or those characteristics of honesty and integrity. Still, uh, wow, that, that 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 was wow to me. Uh, I uh, that that was old aspirants. <laughs> Okay, let's move along. Um, I don't know if, if, if many of you are familiar with the uh, group called the Black Hebrew Israelites. Uh, they are, um, let's say, uh, in a religious, and, I, and this, is, this is some of the things I, I didn't know. I, didn't, I, I honestly didn't know. But they are a uh, group of uh, black Americans that converted to uh, Judaism. And many moved uh, to Israel in the late 60s. Now, it it appears that Israel uh, finds itself in in somewhat of an immigration problem with this, this, these groups, this group of um, Jew, Jews, I guess you say, or, or Hebrew, African Hebrew Israelites, they're Jews, they converted. What has happened is, uh, apparently over time, a lot were, were a, a lot of them that were, that are actually staying in Israel, aren't, uh, they're in violation of Israeli immigration laws, which I found, you know, kind of odd I, I, I honestly I, I guess it is a naivete I've, I've heard of black Hebrew Israelites I, I've certainly seen them and and they let me just say they haven't actually received a good a good representation in the media a lot of times I, like I said I don't know that much about them I just don't and, and I was surprised to find that they were they actually I, I knew of the conversion here. I just didn't know they had, you know, converted and that some of them actually moved to Israel. I just didn't know that. Well, you know, in the, in recent years, we've heard stories, I believe, I think it was in New Jersey or Pennsylvania somewhere where someone had attacked a uh, Jewish synagogue and they found out they were black Hebrew Israelites. And even here in Durham, uh, uh, years ago, uh, I guess you could call him a, uh, well, he was a black Hebrew Israelite. I don't know if he was his family or, or whatever. He, he had got arrested and charged and certain members of, of the, his, his, his family were arrested and charged with the murder of a child also. So what they're saying or, or d- defining them in as is, um, of course, black or African Hebrew Israelites, they're saying they're polygamous, which means they have multiple, uh, well, they have a wife and multiple mates, and they're calling them vegan. I guess they don't eat meat. What, what's happening is 46 of these families 
are being told they have to deport from Israel because they're in violation of the country's immigration laws. So they're being deported. Now, there are about 3,000 people of that community, which mostly reside in a southern desert town called Damona. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, right. And like I said, they first arrived in Israel in 1969, following a, a, a black American steel worker from Chicago that had converted to Judea- Judaism and claimed to be God's representative on earth. Not sure exactly. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to uh, dive into that. I'm not going to deal with that. Now, what happened was most of all, most or all arrived on tourist visas and they adapted, he adopted Hebrew, Hebrew names and a West African style of dress. Now, how did they get there? They got there under the law of return, which is granted to almost any Jew who requests it. That's it. Israel has a apparently has a law where anyone that that says they're a Jew or may have converted can return to Israel upon request and is usually granted. Of course, you have to meet certain criteria, I would imagine, most certainly. But at that request, officials at that time and possibly still are, are unsure how to handle the migration. However, the Interior Ministry granted many members of the Hebrew Israelites temporary residency, which, um, like I said, at that time and more recent, like in, in 1992. And also they granted permanent residency status in 2003. So eight years later, I, I, I can't imagine what the holdup was. Almost a decade later, they come out and say, hey, you got to leave. Now, of those, like I said, 3,000 that, that are there, many study, that they are active members of the community. Many study in Israeli schools and serve even in the military. Now, over the years, they've had many different levels of immigration status. Some are full citizens, some have permanent, some have temporary residency and some have no status whatsoever apparently those are the ones they're uh, targeting I, I should say those are the ones they're, they're trying to tell them hey you gotta leave and they've been working for years with the officials to sort out the, the legal status of these members without permanent residence I'm not too sure the article doesn't go in and, and, and explain you know what well, it does say that they have to meet certain criteria in order to be considered for or eligible for residency. Now, uh, for years, the, the Population and Immigration Authority has received requests from people who are not members of the community and, like I said, didn't meet the required criteria. And as a result, they have recently received notification that they must leave according to the law. Hmm, 46 families were told they have to leave. Not too sure, to be honest with you, what this is all about. I just found it interesting because like I said, I, I, I 
knew of uh, the black Hebrew Israelites. And, and, and I found that article interesting that, after, like I said, after almost a decade, after, you know, granting some of those 3,000 uh, 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 citizenship, now, almost a decade later, they're being told they have to leave. Not too sure what that's about. I'm, I'm, I'm just not. I don't know. And I and I don't know how, how that works. But the article was... was it just kind of made me question if you're saying that you have a uh, what they termed a return to Israel policy for anyone that says they're Jewish or have converted to Judaism how is it that I mean what happened that you now are saying no you can't you gotta go the law of no return the law of return I'm sorry not no return the law of return what what happened and it it is just at one point in time you were allowing them there and it's like I said they first arrived in, in 1969 or sometime in the 60s maybe 69 is when they made the full migration to Israel and now you're saying no they can't stay they have to go what what really happened I can't really find a clear answer other than they failed to meet immigration status. I mean, it seems like they are trying to be productive members of society. I mean, hey, they go to the schools. They, hey, they some of them are even serving in the uh, military, which is quite, I don't want to say surprising, but Israel, Israeli commandos, <laughs> they're military. Huh? Well, they can tough it out. They can tough it out. Like I said, they haven't received much uh, glorification in the media, especially as of late. With that, I, I I think there was a killing or an attempted killing in New Jersey, and they, of course, they I think they were they, well, they were black uh, Hebrew Israelites. So that most definitely, you know, when they they tried or went into or shot someone outside of a Jewish synagogue, and I believe it happened somewhere else also. So they're not, uh, they haven't received much support or good positive vibes in the media. I know, hey, maybe that has something to do with it too. I mean, maybe they're, they're saying, hey, if you're Jewish, why are you trying to shoot up the synagogues in America? Hmm, who knows? Just interesting. Just interesting. Don't mind me. I'm just rambling this morning. Trying to get my shake the cobwebs off. Found that very interesting. Now, uh, let's move on. The Second Chance Act or Senate Bill 562, which was signed by Governor Roy Cooper, June 25th, 2020, and became law December 1st, 2020, is a bipartisan clean slate bill. It expands eligibility for expunging nonviolent criminal convictions after a waiting period. And it automates the expungement of certain dismissed or non-guilty pleas. Now, you may be saying to yourself, what does that have to do with anything? Well, here in Durham, 
North Carolina, the Durham's district attorney has recently filed a petition to have the records of 1,700 teenagers who were charged as adults to have their records expunged. Now, there were low-level charges like breaking and entering. It was none for the conviction of rape or murder. The, you know, the, the, the higher, uh, if I can say higher up felony charges like rape and murder, uh, that doesn't meet the criteria or the, you, you can't file for an expungement on, of that, which certainly most warranted. I uh, just wouldn't want that element out and about, but that element still is out and about due to that revolving door and those lenient jail times. Now, all of this is a result of, of course, the Second Chance Act that was enacted, like I said, last year. And the petition is for charges that occurred before the act became law for those that were convicted between 1994 and 2018. They are the ones that are truly expected to benefit. And also the raise the age passage was seen by the state to be recognized that a vast majority of youths just don't belong in the criminal court. Now, the raise the age, if you remember, I spoke, especially with that six year old. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the six year old I talked about that was bought to court for picking tulips while waiting on the bus. Yeah, that's, you know, that's that raise the age where they, they wanted to raise the age where you could actually bring one aspect of it. You could actually bring juveniles to court and, and apparently raise the age to the point where second half is where you shouldn't have juveniles in court being charged as a as adults, you know. Uh, yeah, 15, 16 year old, you're charged as an adult. For most crimes, I can see, yeah, that's a little too young. Well, for any crime, to be honest with you. But another thing is is also before passage of the Second Chance Act, the DA couldn't um, file for these expungements for those tried and convicted as in adults. And let me just say, yeah, like I said, it's just... I can remember when they changed that law that you could try juveniles as adults because at that point like now it, it was around the startup or some ways through the startup when there were there was a huge you know the gangs were starting to take off and they found a lot of juveniles were gang members and they were convicted convict, they were committing terrible horrible, heinous acts. You know, you had drive-bys, you, you had the, what, whatever, what have you, and, and they changed that, they raised, they lowered, because at one point, it was 18 and above that you could be tried and convicted as an adult, and I can remember when they dropped it down to 16, and many were like, whoa, whoa, that's too low, but also many were saying they were fed up in the community, and it was like, good, you gotta do something with them, but clearly just throwing any and everyone in jail, especially a juvenile, that's that's not the way. I mean, if you think about it, that young, uh, A, how could you, you, you really can't understand the severity of you being in a, a court setting, and B, 
Yeah, I mean, if you, you're convicted of a, a horrible, uh, uh, criminal, uh, uh, horrible crimes or like murder or rape, yeah, yeah, you need to be. But for what was what they what they found was a lot of the kids that were uh, convicted of felony charges and tried as an adults, like they said, the breaking and entering. That's you're still a juvenile. You, you you make piss poor decisions and choices, so yeah, that's that's a bit too much. Now, like I said before, when when these kids or juveniles, whatever, they got into the system, they went to jail. Well, went to court, went to jail, served their time. Either they had to, um, in order to get the, the matter expunged off their record, either they had to um, get a lawyer. Pay a lawyer, pay the lawyer's fee, and also the court fee, which was, to be honest, was highly unlikely because most were poor, or what have you. So apparently, in order, if 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 you wanted to get the matter expunged, you had to either get a lawyer and 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 pay that lawyer and pay the lawyer fees, or you could pay the the actual expungement fee yourself, which. I believe it's quite high. I believe it's based off of the charges you have. Uh, yeah, that's a bit much. Now, those that um, did or, or or before this this bill was passed, where now the DA can come in and say, "Hey, I want to get this expunged off this juvenile's record." The criteria for this, uh, of course, is, is to hold accountability. You know, you, you went to trial, you were convicted, you, you served your time in jail, got out, and have to still have that hanging over your head for years. Like I said, many can't, couldn't and can't afford to have that matter expunged off of their record. Some can, some can't. Chances are the ones that couldn't were at were yes African Americans or blacks or Latino or other minorities or maybe even some white. I mean that that depending that fee I believe is dependent upon what the charge is. So that's how they they measure in that amount that you have to pay to have um, that matter expunged off your record. That's not even including restitution. Restitution. That's just you having to have that expunged off your record. And you had that hanging over your head because they say juvenile records are, are, are sealed, but they're only sealed to an extent. And, and hey, when you try to go in and get a job or try to get a, a financial aid, if you do turn yourself, turn your life around and you're trying to go to college or, or get a certification in something and that pops up and that's a no go. You're not going to get any federal financial aid, any grants. You got a record. So yeah, they have it. You can have that hanging over your head for the, the rest of your adult life. It's like a stamp of, of doom. So I mean, hey, this is that, that Senate bill. That's a good thing, I think. Now, it's now here. Here's the eligibility to be eligible. One must have completed their sentence, of course, in full. And that includes, i.e., post-release supervision, your probation. Must owe no restitution. Can't owe any other money anywhere else to the courts. The court says you got to pay this back. You got to pay it back in full. 
And you can't have a civil judgment against you. It means someone sues you. Now, under the law, a petition that meets all the eligible requirements, an expungement must be granted. So it's automatic. If you meet that that criteria or you met all the specs of your charges and, and your uh, punishment, then you're, you're almost guaranteed an expungement, which is great. But, you know, just like I said, man, to have that hanging over your head all your life because you made some simple-minded, stupid mistake as a juvenile, yeah, that that really is a bit too much. It, it, a lot of people make mistakes. I know I've made mistakes in my life. Didn't really make any that young. But it seems more and more prevalent now that these kids are. Indeed, they're, they're out here living the adult life just making dumb decisions because their mind's not developed and to think if you do something at 16 and and you get convicted or whatever and and you go into the system by the system I mean jail or juvenile jail or whatever what have you and then years later you say oh I see the error of my ways and you've already paid your debt to society. I just don't think you should have that hanging over your head. It needs to be expunged. Everybody makes stupid mistakes at some point in time in their life. And there's really and truthfully no reason why that should be hanging over your head as an adult for something you did when you're 16 and, and, and maybe 10 or 20 or 25 years later, you're still having to pay for that after you've served your time or whatever. No, that's a bit too much. Yeah, you need to take that. Yeah, that there needs to be an automatic, automated expungement, especially if you're, you've done all you were supposed to do to pay your debt to society. And now some may say, well, they did it. They need to. It need, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Well, just like they said that for those that have the higher level felonies like murder, yeah, or, or rape or what have you, yeah, you need to uh, <laughs> you, you you need to be watched, and monitored, and I'm not, and even even for murder, to an extent, I guess, I I don't know, murder, like I said, a murderer is a murderer. You get what you get. You may need to, you know, hey, not only serve that time, but have that hanging over your head, maybe as a an eye-opening experience to for you to always remember to hey, let me make clear and and better decisions in life because that's what this seems like this is helping those that did may may make, make piss poor decisions and choices in life I mean it just is now I, I said I wasn't going to talk about this anymore but it keeps coming up keeps coming up everyone I'm sure well I know they know about uh the incident here in, in North Carolina, Elizabeth City, has made the national news now. In fact, uh, the gentleman was laid to rest yesterday, and a host of civil rights attorneys and civil rights advocates came out to pay their respects. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out why there's I can understand like I said the the family 
having the right to view that recording. But I still don't understand why the public feels they need to see it. And why do you need to see that over and over and over again? It's a pet peeve of mine. And I know many of us say, hey, we got to see it to hold people accountable. I get that. I get that. But let that be the family's job and whoever their attorney or representative is. Public opinion in, in matters like this, in the event that, that, of course, you know, you go to trial or whatever, it can really play into those proceedings. Especially, like I said, if you see that over and over and over and over again on the news, social media, you hear people talking about it. Uh, the, you know, I understand the family's uh, right to see it, and they do. Like I said, they need to see it with their attorney or rep, uh, or, or representative to decide to decide how they're going to pursue the matter. But the public know. So you know, of course, they are um, still calling for for the release of the body cam footage it looks like the family will see it I don't know if today is the 10th day or tomorrow is the 10th day but they're going to see the full body cam footage and then sometime later this month I believe the DA came out and said he he or she will make a decision at the end of the month as to whether they think the public as a whole should be able to see it and we all know the judge. The judge looks like he ain't budging on nothing. And he's not intimidated by anyone or anything. Now, Elizabeth City, which sits in uh, Pastatank County, it's a small city. It's a small community. Relatively small. There's a historically black college there, Elizabeth City State University. Or it may have changed his name to college. I'm not sure. It's a small country rural community pretty tight-knit but I will say uh, and they had some protests last night at the of course the the, the, the funeral and, and then you know the continued explanation or, or, or point that they're not going to show that, that video not just yet or, or footage I'm sorry not just yet and there were a few arrests last night but for the most part those protests or, or gatherings have been pretty peaceful which is good I mean, you can hold a, a demonstration, a protest without tearing up everything. And, and I, I, I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm not being funny, but I'm wondering because one thing I notice, I, I do critique a lot. And people say I think too much. But one thing I've noticed, I haven't seen a lot of Black Lives Matter protesters down there like I did, you know, with, with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor in the big cities, it appears they're not going down to the country. I wonder why. I think you know why. Because, yeah, as horrible and, and horrific as that is, that, that what happened to the gentleman, I do believe wholeheartedly they know there are certain... Look, there are certain parts and certain places that you don't go with foolishness, especially when you go to a community or town where they're hanging on by a thin thread as is. And here you come, not being a citizen, not being a resident of that community and say, you're going to raise Holy Hill and tear it up. Uh -uh. Those folks aren't going for that. 
they don't receive the high tax dollars from the or the high federal funding that the big cities do. Everything pretty much in those communities are, are hey, they are from its citizens. The bread ain't buttered on both sides for them. So if you go down there and you think you're going to tear that city or town to shreds, uh, you might, you might, strong possibility, meet a little retaliation. And like I've always said, I don't understand that thing. Of, of I understand you're trying to get attention, but to think that you would go somewhere and just tear a city where you're not a resident of to shreds and then leave it in just chaos and destruction and leave those citizens to have to clean up your mess as you move on to the next one. Don't think you want to play that foolishness down there in Elizabeth City. I just don't. Now, yeah, there does need to be some accountability as to what happened. And, and yeah, I would love to know what really happened also, what transpired. But the protests and go and tear up and, and destroy and be destructive, nah, that ain't the way. That's just me. What do I know? Many, many would say, ah, oh, shut up. Who cares what you think? Yeah, maybe. Okay, whatever. But I just haven't noticed, which is surprising, because I, I do believe... Uh, I just haven't seen Black Lives Matter down there. What's going on with that? I wonder. And you know, at one point in time, there was a story that broke that um, one of the, I don't want to say founders or one of the, the, the top representatives, if I can say, had, uh, it was, she was under a, a, the microscope. She had made some high dollar purchases, uh, a home and vehicles or whatever, or what have you. Haven't heard too much about that either. Maybe this Black Lives movement is dying down, which I couldn't, un- I can't understand. If you're, you, why, why? I, I just don't understand. Something's, something's fishy, and it's always been quite odd to me. I mean, I've always found uh, or questioned. Black Lives Matter. Because I've always said to said to myself and to others, where did they come from? What's the purpose? But that, that's a topic for another day. I won't get into that. But it's just, like I said, um, haven't really heard from them in Elizabeth City, and I just knew they would be there. Really haven't. Maybe it is all a, a, a facade to get certain ones. Some people say, hey, they're, they're all just media hounds. Glory Hawks want the name and the lights. That five to 15 minutes of fame I'm, I'm always asking or questioning about. Maybe that is it. Because they haven't been here. I don't think they really want to go to, to these rural communities. <laughs> hey. In the cities, we call it street justice. I'm not sure what they call it in the uh, we call it the country in the country or rural areas. You know, hey, go down there fooling with them folks if you want to. <laughs> well, look, I'm gonna get out of here. It's been a pleasure as always, as always. Well, that's all for me today, and I want to thank you all for lending me your ears. 
this morning. Continue to like, support, share, offer feedback. Anchor has a great feature where you can leave a voice response, and I would love to hear your voice. I won't bite. Not physically, anyway. Verbally, I may. But just offer feedback. You can also make monetary contributions. Continue to follow and listen on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Also including now Verbal and WordPress. And as always, this is Stephen Cornick A4. This is Just a Fault. Amen.